Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What up, everybody? It is 10 a.m. in the District of Columbia. Points north, south, east, and west. You're listening to B. Bishop Finley. Good morning, Brian. How do you do? I'm good, brother. What's happening with you? Uh, not much, dude. Um, Good day yesterday. Got to go out to Ashburn, meet some coaches. You got to say hello to old friends, new friends. Yeah. Um, I, I want to get into all that. Certainly a vibe with a lot of these guys, but a lot of these guys are also just getting to know each other. Talking to Anthony Lynn was, was really pretty telling when he's like, man, I've been here about four hours. Like I, <laughs> I got some, I got some tape to watch. Um, I think yeah. anybody that thinks they've got their mind made up as far as what they're about to do, nah, they they're don't. just getting into it. They're just getting started. And, uh, you can see where, uh, during that, uh, strum, as you would call it, um, Jason was gone quick. He said, man, I got a call from my, my uh, D- D.C. I had to go talk. So they still trying to put stuff together right. while trying to handle their 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 business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing things that they need to do, talking to the media and all. But still, they, they, they are still trying to put everything together, move forward, and get this thing right. But I think everyone has excitement about the things to come. Totally. So that's a good thing. Um, as far as excitement about things to come, yesterday – we opened the program talking about Mike Sellers, who played for the Skins at various times, played with UB, came back later yeah. in his career and played. Um, certainly, you know, kind of his most famous times in Washington were the Joe Gibbs teams where he made a Pro Bowl. Um, I mean, how many times do you remember Portis holding on to the back of his jersey as, <laughs> as Sellers looked to just crush people going down the field? Um, Mike's had a, a really tough run of health. Um, he's, he's had heart procedures, has heart problems. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talked about this yesterday, uh, at, at that point, we, we put this out there. I, I believe there was a, a little less than $20,000 raised th- thus far. Um, 24 hours later, they're up over $80,000, yeah. um, trying to get to 10, a hundred thousand. Um, but obviously, you know, what I find so cool and, and so remarkable is, You've got a lot of people, like, I, I, there's a ton of anonymous $20, $25 donations. Mm-hmm. Like, like a dude, I don't know this person at all. I'm just looking at the list. Aaron Foreman gave 15 bucks, mm-hmm. And I think, Aaron, that is awesome because you gave what you could, yeah. right? I um, mean, I don't care what the value is. It could be $2, $3, totally. $7 or so. Uh, give what you can. And I don't care if you can't. And yeah, that's if you okay. can't, like I said, prayers, they take prayers as well. Like, But the, the ultimate thing is if you can help, help. If you can't, then you do something else. 100%. You know, that's the whole thing about it. No one is telling you what you have to do. Right. And like you said, you didn't want to go into some of the – I can imagine what some of the comments could have been. So I stay away from we've it. We've ignored all that. You know, I just I just think that, you know, there are some dumbass people in the world, and when your time comes, you, you'll get yours. This happens. Right. So I, I don't worry about that. But what I love is looking at this. Lloyd Goodwin gave five bucks, and that is appreciated. Yeah. Juan Perez gave a thousand. 
And and then you start looking. Uh, Sheila Gutierrez gave fifty dollars. Uh, Coach Joe Joe Gibbs Ten got dollars. on this yesterday and gave ten grand. Yep. Um, it, it's not about who does what. It's about what you can do and what you're comfortable yeah. with. And and I just think everybody. And that a lot is, of people don't want their names. Then they just put the money sure. in. Yeah. Moving. Yeah. Um, I I think it is admirable and hopefully you know that that helps the sellers family whatever it is they're trying to do yeah. um and and they have our support um i i just uh, the it's on our facebook pages it's on social media um our guy Lou DePetro did a really nice job kind of putting a blog together yesterday i don't know if you saw that Brian um on the 1067 the fan mm-hmm. fan website um so if if you're interested in helping out the sellers family the information is out there um I I also wanted to shout out the Georgetown Hoyas and uh who certainly didn't win. Let's mm-hmm. not get but crazy. They, they covered. They covered. <laughs> um I I don't know why. I I got like five different people last night, like friends of mine texting me like, "Yo, loved the Georgetown call. Thanks for the sweat." Um I don't know that that was an easy cover, but they covered. Um and that's all that matters. And here's all I can I, I'm just going to remind everybody the, the step 2 of of the Georgetown two step is you got to take the Paul on Saturday, and I know that that's going to be ugly. And Bees is going to call me and be like, "Yo, DePaul's zero and fourteen in the conference. We can't bet on them." Yes, you can. This is the two step. <laughs> Jeff, give me an early line on Georgetown DePaul for Saturday. Um, I also had an announcement for Landfill. Brian is is being very healthy these days, but Landini, I brought in a bag of Utz salt and vinegar chips. Thought you might approve of that. Um, that's good work. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you care more about the Uts or the Georgetown pick? Uh, the Uts. I, they don't have a, a line right now. Is it not out yet? Yeah. Um, all right, well, listen, I'm, I'm telling you all what to do. DePaul's terrible. Take them on Saturday. Um, <laughs> DePaul last night, I think, lost by like, They're awful. Take them. <laughs> I think they lost by like 40 last night. Dang. Um, dude, they lost to Marquette last night 105-71. to 71. Bad, bad. It's not good, bro. No. Not good. Um, you know, this is I'm not trying to take any shots at DePaul. I know one person that's gone to DePaul, Matt Paris, who is now covering the Saints down in New Orleans. Generally, even in like a high school level, what do you think your leading scorer for a basketball team should be roughly averaging? The leading scorer on the team. At least 15. Yeah. 15 to 17 points. 15, 17 yeah. points, right? DePaul's leading scorer. It's not single digit, is it? Is a fella named Chico Carter Jr. He's a guard. He's averaging 11.5 points per game. Wow. (laughs) They're awful. Take them on Saturday. (laughs) They're 3 23. I I mean, at what point do you not just. 3 23? 3 23. And who are they playing Saturday? Georgetown. Oh, okay. where, Where? Chicago. Oh, okay then. Yeah, yeah. You probably won't take the home team there. I, I mean, th- that's going to be their Super Bowl. They're going to look at that as like, I mean, my man Chico Carter might go for 40. I have never heard of Chico Carter until three minutes ago. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, what are they averaging as a team? I, I mean, if their leading scorer is averaging 11, mm-hmm. like, what are they average? It can't be very good, Brian. Are they averaging 50 points a game? Can team, be. team stats are averaging 64 Points per game, 410th in college sports. 
Wow. And they're and they're, they're giving up 82. <laughs> Yikes. Um, they, it, they, wait, they're averaging how many? They're averaging 64, and they averaged to give up 82. Well, that means they, they, they are averaging a loss. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they get. That's, what that's how doing. you get to 3 and 23. Exactly. I mean, I, not to drag us down here, but if you look at the old 4 and 13 Washington Commanders last year, they averaged a loss. Yeah. Like, it, the math, we can talk about analytics and all, all sorts of stuff, but sometimes the basic math will tell you the story. Totally. Um, Washington was 32nd in points allowed and 25th in points scored. You, you add those two up, it, it's pretty easy to see how it's going to shake out. Um, v, I, I, uh, I, I want to talk about yesterday and both – being out there and talking to the guys and you do like for me anyway, I had my, my boy Brooks Merriweather with me. We're doing some TV stuff. We're going to try to run the interviews here. I'm having a little trouble with the formatting Landini or otherwise I would have sent you a bunch of stuff already. Um, but there, there there's kind of, Oh, before we get to the NFL stuff, I forgot that I, I saw that last night. George Mason had yeah, a big win. I saw over Dayton, and Dayton's a good team. I think Dayton's Dayton's a good team, but they were at George Mason, and Mason came out to play. Dude, they, they protect that house. Yeah the uh, the Eagle Bank Arena was popping. I bet. Yep. Um, made me lose. Did you take Dayton? Yes. In picks. Well, I, I never would have taken that, Jeff. Ever. Uh, I mean, right, Jeff? No way. You would have. Yeah, no, crazy. no way. You definitely would have. So here's the other thing that makes that a little bit interesting. So Dayton loses last night to Mason. Mason is now 18 and 8, 7 and 6 in the A10. Mm-hmm. Is Mason inside the beltway? Do we count them inside the beltway? Uh no, it's not inside the beltway, JP. But it's close enough. Like they're like an actual DC team. They are outside the beltway, though. But it's a DC team, but I'm saying they're not inside the beltway. Oh, right, but like I don't put Mason and UVA in the same category. No, I don't do that, but I'm saying they're not inside the belt. Like, you could ask that question. They're in the DMV. Yeah. Um, Mason might be your best DMV team. Mm. Right? Could be. Did Maryland play Mason this year? I don't know. I also think they have a first-year coach. I think it's the dude Tony Skin. Remember he punched that guy in the nuts in the NCAA tournament? Um. (laughs) That's a big win for them. I don't know. Hey, man, you're not supposed to play below the waist. No, in any sport. Don't play below the waist. Or maybe, are there any sports where you're encouraged to play below the waist? Tonsil hockey? Um, I think Mason is maybe, Dan Steinberg, if you're listening and you refuse to write anymore, please bring back your, do you remember he had this like local college hoops ranking? It was like the DMV 11 or something. It'd be fun. Bring it back. Maybe, Jeff, would you like to take that on as a project? Rank all the local. Uh, Jeff only talking about bald head dudes. Jeff is Jeff is going big time in the bald head game. Jeff, do you want to take on a college sports project? Not at all. I didn't think so. Um, Denton might want to do that. He should be bald headed. I don't know why he's trying to hold on. I was talking about the college sports thing, not the bald <laughs> thing. He should be with Jeff. Denton is a young man. They need to let it go already. <laughs> let it go, bro. Yeah, go. It, you're not winning the battle <laughs> at um, all. <laughs> so we will keep our eyes on the eight ten. All right, now 
we will get to yesterday. A um, lot of new guys. One thing that is very apparent, mm-hmm. like think of it off the top of my head, it I would guess at least 50% and maybe more of the new staff played in the NFL. I think for sure six. Uh, Simmons, Kerrigan, Tap, Lynn, uh, Norton. Wit. Oh, Wit. I forgot. Wit. Izzo. I didn't even see. Wit, Izzo. You go over to Bobby also. Bro, I Ingram. mean, just go to. so That's eight. They got eight of them. Quinn did not. Mm-hmm. All right. Quinn did not. Kingsbury did. It's kind of a cup of coffee, but he was in the league. He was drafted. It's nine. Kingsbury, Wit, Izzo. Blau, ten, Ingram. I don't. I, some of these dudes, I'd probably need to do a little bit of a deeper dive on. Mm-hmm. Um, about ten of them. But the thing about it, though, <laughs> they've been in. A, they played in the league, but a lot of those dudes got experience as coaches too. Yeah, they didn't just stop playing yesterday. You know what I mean? So they come in as a former player with experience as a coach, and a lot of them been around for a while doing a lot of stuff. What did you think of Lynn's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Yo, Lynn's a big dude. He's a lot bigger than I thought he was. What is he listed at? Because I he his size. He was bigger than I expected. And Ken Norton was a little smaller than I expected. Ken was bigger than that when he played. Though. I'm sure, but yeah. he I mean Lynn. Well, no, nah, I'm sure, because most guys don't leave and lose. Most guys true. leave and gain. Anthony Lynn is listed 6'3, 230. Yeah. He looked it. But I'm saying when you watch him on TV, you think he's around six feet or less. But dude's a big dude. The tight ends coach I was talking to for a while, David Rye, he's a unit, dude. Like, like he was sitting down, and then he stood up to do the interview. Yeah, and I was like, damn. Basketball player. <laughs> well, it's also kind of remarkable if you go, if you look at last year's staff compared to this year. Now, obviously, Ron, Jack, EB all played mm-hmm. and played for a while. But, like, outside of that, it was kind of Kerrigan. Yeah, but I, you would, I think when you look at when you look at Ron and Jack, you'll say, okay, they played a long time ago. I understand. But these guys, some of them are more recent than others. For sure. But, hell, you think about it, Ken. Ken's been out the game longer than 30 years. Well, 20-plus years, not 30. Because Ken retired, like, 2000, 1999, 2000, something like that. Yeah, I, so I mean, same as Lynn. Twenty some years. Lynn's been out since '99. Um, Jason Simmons played more recently. Yeah. Um, I really like. I helped Jason up with uh, John yesterday. Leahy. Yep. Nice. He said, "Man, I need a place to stay." I said, "I got somebody." You can well, talk so to. that's the thing: is everybody that wants like immediate questions, immediate answers from these guys. A lot of these dudes have a family and wives and kids that they're trying to figure out where they're going to go to school. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's some real life stuff in transitions. Think about just regular people. Like if you are an accountant and you're switching jobs and you're going from accounting firm a to accounting firm B mm-hmm. and your office goes from Rockville to Vienna and you're you thinking about where you're going to be driving, right? Like <laughs> that is regular life. And yes. on, what is Rockville to Vienna? 11 miles? 
11 eight, miles eight might miles. take you two hours, depending on the time of the day you're going. But, dude, Anthony Lynn was telling us, he's like, man, I just lost the Super Bowl. I had to get on a plane. I think he had to take care of some personal stuff. Had to get to Ashburn. Like, all these guys are probably, I don't know this, but they're, you know that Embassy Suites behind the Shell Station? Like, yeah. a lot of these dudes are probably staying there right now. They're Lit- probably putting them in a better spot right now. Well, it's the closest one in the facility. Yeah. Wherever. There's probably a Ritz and Reston or something. Wherever they are. The Ritz and Tysons. Who knows? But, like, these dudes are living out of a suitcase in a hotel, trying to grind and probably watch 10, 10 hours of film a day of the current players before they get to Indy next week. Mm-hmm. Like, when I, I did a, uh, a radio hit this morning for Mad Dog Radio. And they're like, uh, you know, what are the commanders thinking at the number two pick? Or do they want to sign a veteran quarterback? And I think when they people ask you that, it's pretty obvious. They, they, they don't they, know yet. They don't know. But the, the, the person asked you that question got a thought. Uh, one of their friends that they have faith in has told them, oh, man, they're going to sign so-and-so. That's why they asked you that question. That may be the case. Let's get into some of the specifics we learned from meeting, talking to the commander's new assistant coaches yesterday. Brian and I were both there in the bubble in Ashburn. We'll break it down for you next on B. Mitchell Finley. Hey, it's Brian Mitchell here. Bet the NBA with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel every Thursday with TNT Thursdays. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. You'll bet you'll, you'll get bonus bets back if your same game parlay doesn't win on any NBA on TNT game. NBA same game parlays are a perfect way to combine your bets for a chance to score a bigger payday. Well, as I said yesterday, the league is back. It had a lot of people off. Some people got a little rusty. Some people played a little more than others. But the Washington Wizards are going to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think the, the they don't have a point spread for them. But I'm going to tell you I'm taking the Wiz because I know it's going to be a lot and I think that they will cover because those guys have been sitting there resting, waiting to get a chance to get back on the court. However you want to play, just head to FanDuel.com slash Brian to bet the NBA with a no-sweat same-game parlay with TNT Thursdays. That's FanDuel.com slash Brian. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. FanDuel is supposed to be the official partner of 1067 The Fan. You have to be 21 years old or president of Virginia. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet, which expires seven days after receipt. Max refund is $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You can text it to me if you need to. Oh, Landfill's just turning it off. He's had enough. Um, I'm almost positive that's the lyric. Yeah, why is that? A, I don't even know what that means. Um, anyway, uh, you kind of forget how good... Eminem was. Jeff was just dropping bars in there, enjoying that thing. Um, 
he's been so long since he's dominant. What did he make a song about Ben Johnson or something, Jeff? I kind of missed that during the the coaching search. Like he threatened, I think, I think, I think Eminem threatened Ben Johnson with a diss track if he was to leave the Lions. Do you think that's why he texted Josh Harris and said, "Yo, I don't want to interview with you"? Uh, nah. Tend to agree. Because um, if you do that, then all of a sudden he got you by the yin yang. Then I yeah. I, <laughs> you like to think that that was not the factor. Yeah, you you would love to think that. Um, we talked to a bunch of people. We're working on audio and stuff. The files I have are kind of corrupted. Um, but Brian, one conversation I had, and I think you and I were both there for this, was talking with. One of the new coaches, and I'm not going to say who, because they they weren't trying to take shots at how the operation was run previously. But they said, and Joe Witt kind of said this on the record at his press conference, um, and Joe Witt wasn't even there yesterday, Mm -hmm. but they said, like, man, you know, we don't want to discount scheme and strategy because that stuff is super important. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, running a, a, a deep cross, running deep crossers is like a known, established offensive identity. Yeah, people do it all. Uh, multiple offenses do it. Right. Like, most of these dudes, most of the NFL is running a variation of Bill Walsh's offense from 45 years ago mm-hmm. or Mike Shanahan's offense. From 35 years and ago. And the good ones have connected those two. And, and dude, you evolve and things change, all that, right? But, like, ain't that much new. Mm-hmm. And, and basically what this assistant coach was telling me yesterday is we know our scheme. We know where we've got to beat people. We know where we've got to grind and, and set something up in the first quarter that we then go the opposite way yeah. in the third but a lot of this is about leading and doing little things the right way. Mm-hmm. And this dude started telling me about <clears throat> how important it is that everybody hits the sled the same way going through drills. Same way, same time. Because most, okay, when you start going through the NFL, for the most part, all the teams have the same level of talent. Okay, this team may have a guy who's a little better than that guy that plays the same position on the other team, but somewhere else, you have a guy on your team that's better than the guy on that other team. But what happens is whoever makes the least amount of mistakes and whoever don't fumble the ball, they end up winning the game. And it, it, it normally comes down to that. So if you practice everything right, if you learn to do everything a certain way at a certain speed consistently, you will make less mistakes in a team that seems to want to take off a lot. Seem to want to give everybody, everybody's a damn veteran on some teams. Everybody gets day off. But when you play against a team where their veterans are always in there and they don't make the mistakes, they normally beat you. Because the game of football, everybody can play it at, at, this, at this level, at the, at the NFL level. Everybody can play it. But normally when you go and you look at it, is who made the most mistakes and turned the ball over that loses the football game. 100%. And I think 
if you can just play smart and locked in, it, it, it just changes so much. Yeah. And I think they got, for whatever reason, that just wasn't the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And last year was obviously they they bottomed out. But when you I, would listen to me talk last year. I always went back to discipline. Okay. You know why? Because I didn't see it. And we can people could sit up there and say we worked our tails off. We had a great day of practice. All I need to do is watch you play the game. And if I see a guy running wide ass open, you did not have a great day of practice, a great week of practice. When I see guys running wide ass open four or five times in a game, the same route sometimes, you damn sure didn't have a good practice, which tell me you didn't have, it tells me you didn't have very much discipline going on. And when people see that, they like to, this is, society goes, oh, man, that guy blew an assignment. You know what I say? That coach blew a damn assignment. If it happened twice, they didn't get it right all week, did they? I have heard over and over and over again from various members of this staff, not just, listen, like, Dan Quinn is a polished dude. Mm-hmm. He's been a head coach for four seasons, five seasons. He's done a Super Bowl media day. Like, he is used to talking to the media. Uh, Anthony Lynn, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. These guys have been head coaches. They know what they're doing. Joe Witt, he's been a he, he is he's told us that he's been ready to be a coordinator for almost a decade. Like mm-hmm. when he spoke, he was ready. A lot of these dudes last night, these are position coaches that don't do this very often. And they're not they're not apprehensive about it, but it's it like if, if I had to go and scheme some stuff up and, and draw on the whiteboard for them. I know what I'm talking about, but I'd be pretty damn nervous to do it, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and so last night I thought you got some authentic moments, and almost to a man you heard, we got to meet these players where they're at. We got to find ways to make it make sense for them. Mm-hmm. And that to me does feel like a departure, and whether it's fair or not to Jack Del Rio, he, he came across with a sense of – Arrogance. This is what this is what my supreme confidence. Anyway, you know what I think that little thing I sent you is something that fans would get something out of. Yeah. Well, Mike Tomlin talking about coaching, and I think a lot of times where we sit here and we hear coach speak and we hear coaches, and a lot of times we hear media guys who don't want to piss off a coach, so they go along with the narrative that the players fought all the time. But what Mike Tomlin discussed. Is what I think most what, what the great coaches do, and what coaches need to learn how to do. Stop blaming that player if he didn't get it, and blame yourself because you did not really find a way to get to him. And and ultimately, when we go through this, when this season starts off and things like that, a comparison is going to be: Are guys in the wrong spot? Are guys not? Are they blowing assignments? You know. All those different things like that will be something great because I I sat in a room when I first got here with Don Bro, and I've, I've told you many of stories about Don. Sure. And Don would make sure you knew before you were on that damn field. And I'm like, Coach, you know, I got it, man. He said, you sure? I'm like, why? He said, man, because if you go out there and you make a mistake, that's that's they're going to look at me. So this is where a whole group of coaches, in a sense, had the mindset that if you failed, I failed you. 
that's not how most coaches are today. Most coaches can't wait to see point fingers at the other guy. Oh, I, I showed him, and he messed up. Well, if you showed him and you didn't hold him to it every play, then he messes up. I mean, I, I would almost say that's how kind of like society is. Like, it, very rarely do people look internally to the answers for what the problem is, right? You look for a fix or you look for somebody else to blame. And and I think, I think Ron, I almost wonder if late in Ron's, I mean, dude, when he gave that presser, and granted he knew it was going to be probably his last week of coaching in Washington, and he said, you know what, I got too far away from coaching, and I was managing, and I, I was too removed. I, I think there's probably some 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 reality, like some some real truth to that, and it's the kind of thing you, you never, unfortunately, you might not realize in the moment mm-hmm. that, oh man, I'm not connecting with these guys, mm-hmm. but eventually the results show you. Four and thirteen shows you something yeah. wasn't connecting. I, I just being I, down twenty seven to three at halftime to the Bears. Shows you. It shows you a lot. I, I always go back to the situation of I would – I've done it since I was a kid. I always ask the extra question. I always ask questions when I already knew the answer. Because you know what? I wanted to make sure you knew the answer. And I know a lot of teachers thought I was a little ass. Coaches thought I was a, definitely an ass. Because I would say, you sure that answer's right? Explain that to me again. And – there were coaches along the way, college, even in the NFL, to where they never got past me asking them a second question. It was a problem to them that I act like I can't believe he asking me a question. And a lot of times I did catch that they were giving us the wrong information. I did it with teachers as well. But there are also coaches who thanked me for asking it because it made them rethink themselves and they were able to give it to us a different way. And those are coaches that I look back at and I go, you know what? I remember that dude made me better. The other ones didn't do a damn thing for me because they obviously were just, they were in a position of I'm coach, you student, you listen. Instead of you're professional and you do this every day, I didn't even play your position, but I'm coaching it to you. Maybe I should learn something from you too. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where you got to get to the point where the – these players and coaches got to understand, yes, you're the coach. But I'm a professional athlete sure, in my position. And you didn't even play my position. I think that's why there's going to be significant turnover yes. for this staff, um, for this team. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't mean to keep banging one drum, but when – it was finally getting to the end of the Bruce Allen era and, and everybody wanted to take shots and, and make it a personal thing. You just had to point out the record. Mm-hmm. Like nothing else is relevant in a game that's about wins and losses. And I think at this stage with everything that w- happened last year, four and 13 is my answer. Mm-hmm. So who do you need to bring back? How, how do you, how do you cobble it all together? If you, if you start from scratch, you start from scratch. And I think some of the folks I appreciated talking to yesterday just seem to have a different approach that they don't have the answers, but they're all going to work together to figure it out. 
mm-hmm. rather than kind of this mindset of, yeah, I know exactly what to do. You guys just have to follow me. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think, I think sincerity in all fashions is the way to understanding and kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. Like if someone could tell that you're telling your truth, whatever that may be, I think they respond to that significantly better than oh yeah, bravado, whether it's false or real. Mm-hmm. And I think these dudes above all else seem sincere. John Kime joins us at 11. Next, you'll hear from Mike Tomlin, the clip B. Mitch is talking about. Don't go anywhere. Coming up at 12.30, Landville. Shoot. I knocked over a cup. 12.30, we're giving away Neil Young tickets. I asked Jeff what he's got on Neil Young. Not much. Not much. But, Jeff, I bet you've heard Keep On Rocking in the Free World. That is, we're going to play that song later. It'll be a pop quiz for Jeff. If he has heard, keep on rocking in the free world. A um, lot to discuss today. Uh, 12.30, Tony Jetter is going to join us. Talking about some fights going on this weekend at Maryland Live. 1.30, we got Peter Rosenberg. 1 o'clock, of course, is Bleep You Thursday. Coming up in about 10 minutes, John Kime joins the program. Lindini, um, B sent me this as a Instagram reel the other day, and, and I reacted to it. He and I were just like texting about it, and and Brian just mentioned it. Um, I believe this is via Ryan Clark's podcast. Um, yeah, it was Ryan and uh, what's that? I, I don't know who the other I dude is. His, his, uh, he played in, uh, with the Dolphins. I forget his light name, skin though. dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is Mike Tomlin talking about coaching in the NFL. I love to hear coaches resist the responsibility of coaching. What'd you just say, coach? I love coaches <laughs> that resist the responsibility of coaches, that talk negatively about a dude that can't learn and blah, blah. Man, if everybody could learn, we need less coaches. Yeah, that's right. right? If, if the group didn't need management, then we wouldn't make as much. Yep. Mm. I love reading draft evals and, and, and somebody's talking about anything other than pedigree. Talking about how poor somebody's hand usage is. Well, that's coaching. Right. Mm. I don't run away from coaching. I run to coaching. Love it. It all is in line with that not seeking comfort. Because when you're a coach that's talking about somebody can't learn, you're seeking comfort because your teaching is struggling. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I absolutely love that. When I, I heard it, I said, you know what? Let me see this to Jay. <laughs> because... Coaches understand you are here to take to to pull out of me what I have in me. Not you're not here just for me to show up and already be a finished product. Because if I'm a finished product, guess what? I don't need your ass. You don't talk to me then. And then you should be able to go tell them I didn't help him at all. But if you were able to extract some of the stuff that I have in me, you got the right to brag about it. Because how many coaches you know that brag about somebody that's already damn good? But the guy that came in and wasn't there yet, they made excuses as to why he couldn't get there because they weren't willing to put in the work. So I'm, I, I, I love, love hearing that from Mike Tomlin on top of it. I, I agree, dude. I, I think 
development has to be a focus here. I mean, if you think about, let's everybody go around the room. Name the commander's best players, Landfill. Name one. Terry McLaurin. Okay. Third round pick, came out the gates hot, has been good since he arrived in the NFL. Jeff. Tressway. Tressway has been here a while, has been here through a number of regimes, but he's good. He's stayed good. Brian? John Allen. John Allen's a first-rounder. I'll add Deron Payne to the list. Mm-hmm. Like, even a dude like Cam Curl, yeah, who was really good, he kind of showed up and was good. Yeah. There hasn't been development and of some Payne and Allen are first-rounders, and there's this expectation that they're good, and they've been good. But there's other first-rounders that haven't been good, and they haven't necessarily improved. I, I, Jamin improved significantly from year one to year two, but largely because year one was pretty bad and they were trying to play him in the wrong position. Year two and year three, he's just been kind of, mm-hmm. whatever you think he is, a six and a half, seven out of ten, he's just kind of been that. Uh, Jahan Dotson went backwards in year two. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the stuff that can't be happening. Cosby improved. He probably should have been playing guard, but they tried to force him to play tackle because that's what they drafted him to be. Like, they're... They got rid of Sunberg because he didn't get along great with the old trainer. They traded up for a long snapper who actually got worse. Yeah. And, dude, apparently, if you believe everything, he changed his technique and got worse. (laughs) If I'm the coach, you know what that conversation's like? Go back to the old freaking technique. What? As soon as y'all said he changed his uh, technique, what did I say on air? Go back to your old technique. Why? And why the hell change if you were doing good? Some of this isn't that complicated, and we've been led to believe by the 800-page playbooks of the universe that it is super complicated. Some of it is about helping young men get better and perform better on the football field. That is it. And I don't know. They might go 4-13 again and blow the whole thing up again. They might draft Joe Alt at number two. They won't be. They, I may wake up tomorrow be, uh, and turn green, they, but they won't be uh, doing it again. I just I think assume. there's whether or not it works. I can't tell you, but it does see, look, feel different. John Kime joins us next.